Let's pray to the Lord. God of grace, God of mercy, God of justice, God of wrath, God of peace, God of hope, God of glory. We come before you this morning lifting up your name, knowing that you are the God who is bigger than we can fathom. And we are asking, O Lord, speak to us this morning, communicate to us through the wisdom that we find in your word. Help us, O God. Open our eyes to see you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This year is the year of joy, as we've talked about. Uh, earlier this morning, we've talked about joy every day this year, and, and my question for you this morning in relationship to joy is, where do you feel joy? Where do you experience joy? Now, I could answer that, uh, well, in my feet, when my loving wife will rub my feet. Oh, yes, there can be great joy felt in my feet. But that wouldn't be the fullness of it, would it? Where do you feel joy? Like, where do you really comprehend and understand joy? If you were an ancient Hebrew, you would probably say something like this. In my nefesh. In my nefesh. In my soul. In my aliveness. And it, it begs the question of, well, well then what, what really are we? Are, are we a, a body with a soul? Are we a, a body with feet that need to feel good? That has a soul contained in it? And, and if you think that way, you're thinking like the, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks. First century Greeks and even before. If you're thinking from a biblical standpoint, from Hebrew biblical standpoint, you're thinking, no, 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 no. I'm a nefesh. I am a soul. I am alive. And right now I am in a body. But there will be a point a hundred years from now that you will not be in your body. And there will be a point in all eternity that you will be back in your body. You are a soul, a nefesh. And joy comes, aliveness comes from your nefesh. And that that joy is felt in who you are, in the nature of who you truly are. So when I am, am sharing with you joy in 2024, I don't just want you to ask for a foot rub. As tempting as that may sound, I'm asking for you to crave joy deep within your nefesh, deep within your existence, deep within who you are. That if your feet hurt after a long day, that you still have a deep and residing joy that God is God and that you are right with him. And that you know him and that you delight in his sovereign care over all of this world and over your day and night and month 
and year and the breath that comes in and out of your lungs. Joy in 2024. Now with all that introduction, last week we looked at joy and submission. And how can we have joy in submission? And I want to offer to you that God has created systems for us in this world that are there to lend us to a deeper and residing joy that is deeper than the joy that we receive when our feet feel good. The Lord has created systems for us to exist in that give us a deep and resounding joy. One of those that we looked at last week specifically was family. We looked at how God has created family and ordered family in a way that brings a joyful submission throughout the family unit that gives us a way to prosper, that gives us a way to, to do life in a way that is, that is better when we do it the way that the Lord has designed us to do life. Submission being a big part of that. This week we continue with the idea of submission being a pathway to joy. Submission being a pathway to joy because it is something that, go, that is enriched or entrenched deeper within us than how, our, than how our feet feel on any given day. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to uh, the book of, of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, we'll, we'll review briefly here. But some of the questions that I've asked you during this, this series of, of joy is... One, do we find joy in God's wisdom and God's design? That he's created man as the head of the house. That he has commanded women to submit to the headship of man in the house. And children to submit to the parental authority that God has established in the house. Do you find joy in that? Do you find joy in God's role for you in your family? In your office, in your school, in your church? Do you find joy in your soul that God has ordered things and that you are receiving God's order for you to flourish? Joy, submission is the pathway to joy. Young people, if you're living with your family, I wanted to mention one thing to you that I neglected to mention last week. From Colossians 3, verse 18, it says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I have a definition for obedience. So young people, I want you to hear me. Young people, if you live with or under your parents... Hear this definition of obedience. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask one of the Hortons to help me out with this because I know that y'all know this definition. Obedience is three things. Ah, obedience is three things. And if you want to truly be obedient, remember, submission is a pathway to joy. What are three things that, that encompass obedience? Obedience is what? Yes, immediate. Obedience is doing it immediately, not delaying. It is exact. I love that my 19-year-old married daughter is leading the charge on this. This is so great. Immediate is immediate. It is exact. And it is with a good attitude. So young folks, I see some taking notes. 
That is true obedience. And it is a pathway to joy for you. Submitting to your parents is being doing it immediately, doing it exactly as they have said, and with a good attitude. All right, we transition this morning to another arena. And this is where the bulk of our time will be spent this morning. And that is this, in the church. In the church. Are there different roles for people in the church? And we looked at last week and two weeks ago even, roles for men and women in the church. We're not going to spend our time there. This morning, where we're going to spend our time is... Different roles that God has ordained in the church for it to function properly. Specifically, that God began, uh, well, that the Apostle Paul, under God's, under the Lord's direction, established elders or pastors in the church for your benefit. Let me say that again, and I will give you the, the scripture that, that backs that up. When the Lord designed the church, he established the first Christian churches. The first one was in what city? Can anybody tell me what city was the first Christian church? Where they were first called Christians was where? Antioch. And following from there, churches were established. And at at the head of those churches, the Lord instituted an elder or a pastor, or a shepherd, or an overseer, depending on which word you use. It's all the same thing. God established elders to lead the church. Now, we've just talked about the family a whole lot. And and as we have established from Scripture, that God created a head of the family. And church family, help me out. Who is the head of the family? The husband is the head of the family. And he is the one to lead the family. We looked at him establishing that and rooting that in creation. And and if without leadership or headship in the family, it leads to problems. Well, so also the church, as God appointed the church, very similarly, he creates a head of the church. Now, ultimately, the head of the church is Christ. And we will see that today, that Christ is the head of the church. But he has established or put a pastor or elder To head the church in a physical way here. Let me give you some examples. Acts chapter 14. Elders being appointed in the church. Acts 14 verse 23 says this. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them, the the elders, to the Lord in whom they had believed. They appointed elders in each church. Titus 1.5 says something very similar. This is why I left you, Titus. This is Paul writing to Titus. This is why I left you in Crete, so that I might put what remained, so that you might put what remained in order. One of the functions of the elders being appointed in the church was so that there would be order or headship or leadership in the church. And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. The Proverbs say this, without a vision or without leadership, a people will perish. It is God's good design to give leadership to any organization that he creates. The family, the church, and we believe this corporately in corporate America in our secular sense. We assign a CEO or a president of an organization because without a vision, without leadership, The people will perish. 
What do the elders do? What is the purpose of the elders? Well, we already saw here in Titus to bring order, but that's not the only thing that elders are doing in the church. And I'm establishing, just so if you're following me, I'm establishing God's design for the church. And then we're going to get to what is your part and how does this all connect to how, why you are a part of a church. Why you should be a formal part of a church. What do elders do? Well, um, we are Baptist. Most of you in this room, if you're a member of this church, you are Baptist. You are Americans as well. And, and historically, Baptists have clung to the creed, the priesthood of believers. In other words, God speaks to me so I can do whatever I want to do within under his commands. And there's a, a, an individualism, if you will, within much of Baptist history. That we don't look to somebody like, a, like the Pope or someone as a leader of the church. We do what we would like to do. We have autonomous churches because we do what we want to do. That is a, a historically a Baptist way of thinking. You are American more than likely if you are in this group, which also says some similar things. I have my rights and I do what I think is best For my word, I marry who I want, I work where I want, I go to school where I want, I go to church where I want, I define the things of my life. So when you get to submission and the word of submission, many Americans and oftentimes many Baptists will shrink back a bit and say, whoa, okay, hold on. You're telling me what to do? Can I trust you to tell me what to do? And, and many people get to a place of, I don't know if I trust you enough to do what you say. In marriages, look, I counsel marriages. Oftentimes, people look at across the room or across the couch and they're thinking, I don't trust this person. And it leads to significant problems in that relationship. Well, now bring that into a church or a church setting, and you get similar problems. Well, I'm not sure that I can trust this elder or this pastor of the church. We're going to get to that. But before we get there, we have to get to the place where we say, what does the Bible say how a church is supposed to run or function? This is God's word. And we've, we've looked here earlier that the elders of the church are to bring order into the church. Look in 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Let the elders who, help me out church, what does it say? Let the elders who do what? Rule. Who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. What are the elders doing in the church? They are ruling. Be worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and in teaching. Let me give you another one. Hebrews chapter 13. This is one where I'd like to spend some time. Hebrews 13, 17. Look at what this one says. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your nefesh, over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. What are elders? What is the role biblically in the church? They are to rule. 
They are to preside. That word rule is to preside over, to be head over, similar to what we see in the family. Now, that's not the only verse. There are others that we're going to bring to encompass what are they to do. But here's the problem that happens sometimes, and you have all seen it. Every one of you has seen a, an elder or a pastor in a church take advantage of their role. You've all seen it. A pastor being uh, controlling over people. Or using their office for, for lucre or gain. Or being someone who loves to, to be in the spotlight. So they take the position of being a teacher or a preacher. And use that as a way of becoming popular. Or having some sort of fanfare about him. So when you read passages like this and you see that the elders are ruling the church, you go, okay, hang on, hang on. I've seen this before. I know what's going on here. And we shrink back a bit. And when we read a passage like this in Hebrews, I do too. Obey your leaders, submit to them. Oh, let me tell you what happened to this Church, Or let me, let me give you some of my past experience in a church I was a part of. I'm not so sure about this. So what do we do? Uh, let me tell you what's even more awkward is me as the pastor or elder in this church telling you, look, this is what the Bible says. I'm to rule. You need to submit and obey me. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Yeah. So what do we do with this? Well, let me give you a couple of guiding principles I think would be helpful for us to understand. One is right here in this verse. Uh, Let me back up. First of all, we have to understand that this is God's word. We can't modify it, change it. Um, and, and doctor it up. It is God's word. God has appointed elders in a church to rule. And his, call, his command is for the people to submit to the leadership of the elders. Now there are helpful parameters to keep abuse from happening. And I'll share several of those. But this is the fundamental principle. Now let me also add to you. To share with you from this verse. That elders' role and function is to keep watch over your souls. Now, I open the message this way. What are you? Are you a body that has a soul in it? Or are you a soul that is in a body right now? And biblically speaking, the correct answer is you are a nefesh. You are a, a living soul. Even, even the old airplane manifest would say, how many souls were aboard? They understood this idea because we're rooted in a Christian culture. You are a soul. And it is my job and it is Pastor Stephen's job to care for your soul. And, and let me tell you what a burden that is, especially for some of you folks. To care for your soul. This is what this means. 
If we don't do our job well, in a million years, you may still be paying for it. That weighs upon our hearts daily. And so when we ask in a prayer request, pray for focus, pray for time management. It's not just because we think those are good answers. It's because we know that if we don't focus, if we're not faithful, if we don't manage our time well, you will suffer. This is a weight upon an elder's soul for you. This is our job. We keep watch over you. And not, not, not only that. Because we could say, well, you know, I I don't really care as much about Haley back there. What's the big deal? Watch this, Haley. Guess what? It's not that I just care about you, so I care about your soul and want to watch over you. It's because I'm going to give an account for your soul to God. So what is the elder's role? I listened to a sermon this week and and they said an elder's role is for the saving of the souls of his people, of his sheep. And not just preaching a message where they're converted, saving of the souls, the saving and preserving of your soul until you breathe your last breath in your body. So if you're under the jurisdiction of my leadership or Pastor Stephen's leadership, we take this very seriously. In fact, I can, I can tell you how we do that. Last Sunday, we were here Sunday morning, woke up to pray for you and to prepare teachings for you, to preach to you. We spent Sunday afternoon caring for our teenagers, teaching them the Bible, what have you. We had business session, I think, last Sunday night. Tuesday morning, we're caring for people. He's got people at his house. Tuesday night, uh, Monday night, I, we had something going on with, with church folks. Wednesday morning, we're here in Bible study, caring for people's souls. Wednesday night, teaching. Thursday night, Thursday night, live. Friday night, we have uh, a meeting of of some church members and friends for some things. Saturday, the young adults are at his house, and Sunday, we're back at it again. And that's just stuff that, they, that are with people amongst all of the other planning and execution and prepare. There is a lot going on to care for your souls. We do it because we love you, and we care for you, And we want your soul to continue in its path for God. We watch over your souls. Now, we have talked recently in this church about changing the way that the church functions. If you're a visitor here, and we're glad you're here today, uh, we've been around 112 years or something like that as a church. And we're noticing we've got to do some things a little differently. So we're trying to reorder some authority in the church and governance in the church. And some of the comments that I've heard said uh, is, uh, yeah, we, we don't want this church to be a dictatorship. And I agree with that sentiment, by the way, just for the record. But, but it said we don't want this church to be a dictatorship because we've seen what happens when a church is run by a dictator. 
Absolute power absolutely corrupts is the old adage, right? So, so what do we do then to correct that or, or make sure that doesn't happen? And, and I'm going to stay in this verse for a moment. I want you to look at the verse and say, if you haven't noticed, there is, there is a protection here in this passage. Do you see it? What does it say? It says, obey your what? Leader. Say that out loud. Obey your what? Leader. leader. Do you see that? Obey your leader. And submit to them. What is this? This is plural. These are plural words, right? That there needs to be the leaders. It's, it's not a dictatorship, which leads to trouble. But there is a, a group of a plurality of elders and leaders in the church who can keep each other accountable on behalf of the people and the care of the people. You see, when, when church becomes about a, an elder, it is an inverted church. Yeah, think about it this way. What, a shepherd is not there for the sheep to be for the shepherd. Right? A, a farmer is there, or someone who has a, a herd is not there to employ a shepherd. A farmer is there to have a flock, and they need someone to care for them because sheep are not very smart at times. They need someone to care for their livelihood. In the same way, a church is not about a pastor. That would be silly. (laughs) Even if you have a card to show it, Tyler. A church is about a people serving God together for the purpose of the kingdom. And you have pastors who come along and help you and say, this is not wise. This is what the word of God says, and we need to pursue this. This is how we can proclaim the gospel message to our people around us. Brother, you are in sin, and I've got to tell you, I don't care doing these things, but I've got to tell you, you need to repent. Your marriage is hurting. How can I help you communicate better so that you guys can do what you need to do together to be better together than you are alone? This is the the function of the elder or the pastor in the church, but it takes a trust. It takes the sheep willing to be able to say, well, the, the, the leader, the elder, the pastor is, is guiding us in this direction. Unless we have a reason not to, we're going to trust our leadership. We're going to submit to our leadership and not be critical of that. And, and I'm not saying in any way, if you're here with us, that, that this is happening. Please don't hear that. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying as the general rule of how to be in a church, a healthy church with healthy leadership, there is a bent towards trust. Let me move forward a bit. What else is the function of elders in the church? What's my job? What's past, what, what, do you, what can you expect us to do? Elders are in charge of teaching 
and the doctrine of the church. The difference between deacons and that office in the church and elder is the ability to and the execution of teaching in the church. Now, there are deacons who can teach for sure. But as a qualification, you cannot be an elder in this church if you cannot teach and appropriately hold the doctrine together of what the church believes. What you can do if you are not able to teach or, or clearly communicate the doctrines of the faith, faith, you can run PowerPoint for us as a church. You can cook and organize in hospitality. And those are all necessary things. You can keep role in the Sunday school class. But to be an elder in the church, you must be able to communicate and teach the gospel well. Look at 1 Timothy 5.17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Titus 1.9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, the elders, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it, the function of the elders. 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And incidentally, this is why we believe as a church and as a association of churches that the office of elder is exclusively for men because there is a teaching to the body. Look at 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3 with me, please. So I exhort the elders among you, Peter says to the church body. So I exhort the elders, again, plural, The elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that's going to be revealed. What is his message to the elders of the church, Pastor Stephen? What is it? What's his message? Shepherd the flock. Pastor Stephen has a shirt that says something about this. What's your shirt say? Sorry, I can't. My sheep need me. I am for my sheep, not just anybody. I am going to shepherd the flock. He says, shepherd the flock that is among you. Now watch this, Pastor Stephen. Exercising oversight, that is, you are stewarded a people to care for. Not under compulsion, not because you have to, but because you want to. As God would have you, watch this, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Let me stop there. Church, this is for you. Application for you. How can you make being pastored best for you? I think this is a question that you need to ask. If you are expecting me to pastor you and Pastor Stephen to pastor you, how can you do that well? I will tell you this, you can do that poorly, very poorly. And you can make leading, shepherding you, pastoring you very difficult. And most of you, I don't think you want to do that. 
I think most of you in this room, the vast, vast, vast majority of you want to do that well. And so here's application for you. How can you do that well? Honor your leaders. Understand that that we are giving our heart and soul. We don't have every answer. But we study and seek to do that. Give the benefit of the doubt. If problems arise, that that it's, it's not a nefarious thing that's going on in our heart or our soul. That we truly care for the body. And we're trying to do what's best for the body. How can you do that well? Submit as a godly wife would submit to her husband. Not just going along with everything. That's not what a wife, how a wife submits to her husband. Yes, master. Yes, master. That's, that's not it. But it is saying, I'll offer this to you as something that, that you may have not considered. But whatever decisions that you feel like we need to go, yes. I'm willing to do that if that is the way we need to go. I was delighted. I received a letter from somebody this week. Look, these are some things I've been thinking about, some things you've shared. A letter. These are my thoughts. Consider this. As I read the letter, I thought, there's wisdom in this. And some things that I had thought might be the best thing, I read after reading this letter, went, you know, I think this person's right. Let's go this direction. This is the way it ought to be. But there's got to be a trust for leadership because you look at the end of the verse here. It says, not under compulsion, but willingly. That a pastor should not want to come to his job and say, oh, man, it's Sunday again. They're going to whine. They're going to complain. They're going to fuss at me. They're going to point out all of my faults. Oh. Or it's Monday. They're going to tell me everything I did wrong yesterday. No. And I don't feel that way. I'm not saying I do. I'm not. Pastor Stephen doesn't feel that way. He doesn't. But there is a way to pastor where there is a love as a loving wife would be to her husband where the loving sheep are there for the pastor. And there's a willingness and an eagerness for a pastor to say, yes, I love my people and I'm so glad to be a part of them. Look at verse 3. Very clearly, not domineering over those in your charge. Pastors can do this. I've heard the stories, believe me. You can't take this job or buy this car. That's not the role of a pastor. I'm not to dominate over anybody. I am to lovingly lead. I'm to be an example to the flock. If I'm not someone that you would take your son and say, son, you could model yourself like Pastor Keith, then I don't deserve to be your pastor. Agreed, Pastor Stephen? What are some things that that we do? Sometimes we make phone calls and we say, hey, Miss Paula, I heard what you said and I'm concerned because that might be problematic because of this, that, or the other. 
And I hope that Miss Paula receives my call and doesn't say, what a jerk. <laughs> Who does he think he is? But I hope that Miss Paula would receive my call to say, Miss Paula, I think be, this may not be the best path for you to say, thank you for caring enough to say something. When you take the, the leadership of a pastor, which is very difficult work. I've talked with some of you even this week and told you just some of the instances that have come up this week for me. And things that I'm going to have to address that are not fun. And that I've told you, look, if I have a conversation with this person, it might get ugly. They may leave the church because they may not be in the right place or in the right frame of mind to hear this. All right. What's our year about? Our year is about joy. So let me back up again with all of that said. The Bible teaches us, I believe, very clearly. That submission is a pathway to joy. If we go back to Hebrews 13, 17, if you don't mind, Miss Stacy, pulling that verse back up. Hebrews 13, 17. Let me show you one other thing. Look at the very end of this. I've told you that submission is a pathway to joy. This year is about joy. I want you to have joy that lasts longer than that foot rub. I want to be the pastor, the shepherd that leads you in that direction. And I believe that God has, based on this verse, that God has established elders in the church for your benefit. Because you can do better in life and eternity by having a pastor in authority over you than you can without And let me tell you why. And it's right here in this verse. I'm going to read the whole verse. See if you can find it. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. And not with groaning or grumbling. For that would be of no advantage to you. Do you see it? You see it right there at the end? Having a pastor in authority over you is an advantage to you. And it is an advantage when he does it in a joyful way. That's all in this verse of Scripture. Why does Paul write this? He's at the end. He's in the last chapter of Hebrews. He's he's talked to them about staying the course, keeping the faith. And he ends this I believe Paul is saying at the end of this verse, what am I going to do? This is my letter. It's about to end. I've told people to keep their Christian faith. It's for their eternal good. And he gets to the end and he says, how can this stick? And he says it can stick if they have pastors, elders, leaders over them who have authority to watch over their souls like a shepherd watches over sheep. Now, this is pretty bold, and I want to be honest, this is a very hard message for me to preach because I feel like it's me saying, hey, you, uh, I need to have authority over all of you guys or else. That's not what I'm saying. It is my job to minister the word of God to you, and I believe it is in your best interest. I believe it's an advantage to you to be under the authority of 
a loving, not domineering, Christ-seeking, God-exalting elder and elders in your church. And to find joy in it. So what's some application that we take from here? What do we leave here with? One is this. Uh, If you're not a member of this church, this is not a sales pitch at all. This is, a, this is what I think is in your best interest. If you're not a member of this church, I want to encourage you to consider membership in the church. Because that puts an authority over you and an accountability over you for your joy and for your good. I'll say that once. Consider that having authority over you is a biblical method. Having accountability is a biblical method. Second. If you are wrestling with authority because you have been burned by authority, maybe you've been in an abusive relationship. And and when you hear authority, you want to run as far as you can. I believe there needs to be healing in your life because God has established authority in a good way. For instance... If you have uh, my four, my poor friend Steve Martin went to Chick Fil A with me one time, and he ate a bad chicken nugget. He got a bad one, and he will not go back to Chick Fil A with me. He is missing the blessing of a lifetime because of one bad chicken nugget. Now I say that in jest, of course, but the idea is because you've had a bad experience with authority. Hear me, does not make authority bad. In its essence, authority is good and established by God for your good. Don't let one bad chicken nugget ruin God's design for life for you. Whether that's in marriage or in church or at a job or at school or what have you. Authority is God-given. Authority can be abused and must be addressed. And there need to be safeguards in the church. And I don't have time to go through all that. But there must be safeguards. So that authority is not abused. In marriage, in church, there needs to be accountability. There needs to be a plurality. Lots of things that we talk through. But authority is good. And if you have been hurt by authority, please heal. Be healed. Get back under good authority. It is for your good. And finally, let me close with this. The the application from James chapter 4 verse 7. Submission is for your joy and it is for your glory. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you don't like submission, if you like being your own God, making your own rules or doing your own thing or being American to the nth degree. At the end of the day, when your body gives out and you take your last breath, the Bible says you will stand before God's judgment seat. Every one of you. The Bible says, is it appointed for man to live and to die and then to face judgment? So I I hope everybody will hear this statement. If you do not submit yourselves to God On that day of judgment, you will pay the penalty 
that you have earned due to your rebellion against the good and righteous authority of God. And as Christians, what do we believe? We believe that if we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of our sin, and believe the gospel that Jesus Christ came to save sinners that repent, what we believe is that Christ has borne our chastisements, our punishments. We believe that Jesus has paid our debt in full and that by grace we are saved and will be, we will enter into God's presence and goodness for all eternity. But we must submit ourselves, therefore, to God for that to happen. So if you haven't submitted yourself to God and to his son, Jesus Christ, who is on the throne, who is the judge, Jesus Christ himself, the judge. I encourage you to pray about that and think about that. Your nefesh does not cease to exist. Your soul does not cease to exist when your body stops breathing. Your soul goes on and on and on for eternity. And your eternity hangs in the balance of whether or not you have taken to this submission to Jesus Christ and acknowledge that he is the Lord and that you want to follow his rule and authority over you. So first, my first and biggest application is be a part of the kingdom of God. My second is consider how a pastor elder can lead over you and encourage you and watch over your soul. That you might be a part. And thirdly, it is be healed from the hurt of bad authority over you. And look to God for righteous authority for you to grow and to flourish in. That is his design for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the authority that you have given to us. Help us accomplish this. And to surrender and to find joy in submission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.